Hey everyone, before we get to the meat of the podcast, I've got a few con announcements. First, are you going to Gen Con? Guess what? So are Jeff Greiner, Rudy Basso, and I. If you want to see us, we're going to be doing a live roundtable at 5 p.m. the Friday of Gen Con. That's 5 p.m. on Friday, August 5th in the Crown Plaza in Grand Central Ballroom D. You can find a direct link to get tickets for the event over at thetomeshow.com. We're going to be joined by fan-favorite panelist Liz Tice and a few others TBA. Then... Right after the live panel at 7 p.m., you can find us at Rock Bottom Brewery. We're going to have a semi-private room. There's going to be food and drinks and stuff. Come meet us, hang out, play games afterwards. It is going to be a blast. All the details are over at thetomeshow.com. Then, this is your reminder that I'm going to be a featured guest at Roll20Con, the online convention run by my favorite virtual table. It's going to be for 24 hours starting on June 3rd, and it doesn't have just me. James D'Amato, Adam Coble, Nolan Jones, Anna Prosser Robinson, Margaret Crone, come on, so many other RPG superstars, including the one and only Rudy Basso. I'll be playing 5th edition D&D with Rudy and Greg Bilslind, and Nadja Odakor, who is from the Misclicks D&D Prophecy Channel. So you got to check that out. That's at 5 a.m. Pacific time on Roll20's Twitch stream. Then, and I can't believe I'm saying this, at 2 p.m. Pacific time, I am going to be the Dungeon Master in a 5th edition D&D game with Chris Perkins as a player. I need all the support and love I can get for that. Check it all out at Roll20Con.net. There's a direct link over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. I am so excited. All right, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intracasso. If you're listening for the first time, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, if you've been listening to the Tome Show and paying nothing for it... You can help support us for free just by going to iTunes and giving us a rating. It takes less than a minute of your time. We do shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read at least one five-star rating verbatim each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. Today's review comes from Shortmania444. The review is entitled, You're the best! Around! The Tome Show is great. They have an awesome lineup of different shows all related to tabletop RPGs. Let James and the other hosts treat you to amazing discussions and interviews of RPG superstars. Thank you so much, Shortmania444. That is an awesome review. People, we are getting to the end of our five-star review list, so we need people to head on over to iTunes and go give us a great review. Now, maybe you don't like this segment. Maybe you're saying to yourself, it takes too long to get to the meat of the show. Well, guess what? If you go leave us a five-star review and then say, please do not read this review on air, not only will I not read that review on air, I will also not read a review the week that I would have read your review, so we will get to the meat faster. So, hopefully that inspires you to get out there 
and leave us a five-star review, either to have it read or to have it not read on the air. Please use the affiliate links on the thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to the thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. All right, today we have a little bit of a different format than we're used to. It's one guest. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the Adventurers League admin, the guy behind Cold Iron Conventions, and so many other organized play projects. Greg Marks is joining us, and he is going to talk with me about a lot of D&D news and how it relates to the Adventurers League. It's a really, really fun interview. I loved having him on, and I realized we got to get Greg back. Maybe we'll get him on a Gamer to Gamer because his history with this industry is storied and amazing, and this guy gives great podcasts. All right, here's the interview. We are talking to the one and only Greg Marks. Greg, welcome to the roundtable. How are you? Thanks for having me, James. Greg, I'm really excited to have you here because we're going to talk about a lot of exciting news updates, and we're going to get the opinion of someone who is an industry insider. So before we get rolling on all of the awesome content you and I are going to talk about today, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your qualifications? What is all of the stuff you're currently doing in the world of tabletop gaming? From a, from a qualification standpoint... I've written, usually at least contributed to something for just about every edition of D&D. I've written a bunch of stuff for Midnight with Rob Schwab back in the day. I've been an administrator in one form or another for almost every uh, Watsi organized play campaign since Living Greyhawk. Nowadays, I write a lot of Adventures League stuff. I write a fair amount for Cobalt Press, obviously putting some stuff up on the DMs Guild. Uh, written a bunch for Raging Swan. I'm, I'm forgetting people, I'm sure. But yeah, I've, I've written a lot of stuff, but always doing it never as my primary job. Mm-hmm. I think I realized pretty quickly that it's hard to make enough to survive on, and I, I give big kudos to those people who manage to do it. So it's always been sort of a, a second job for me. Of course, of course. And you're also one of the admins, right, for the Adventurers League. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am the associate resource manager. Yes. Yeah. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today, uh, Cold Iron Conventions. Uh, you have a little something to do with that, right? Uh, yeah. I'm also involved with Cold Iron Conventions. Uh, we run uh, five, usually five, it, fairly sizable for organized play conventions, usually around, uh, I'd say about 200 people on average. We've had as many as 250, as low as 150, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, in the Milwaukee, Chicago area. Uh, we've been running those five for as many as two decades uh, for some of them. So we've been involved in particularly their organized play focused. So while we do have some other things, some board games, some card games, vendors and such, uh, really, if you want to play AL, you want to play Pathfinder Society, Shadowrun Missions... Uh, the new Call of Cthulhu organized play, uh, that sort of stuff is this, where we focus. So you're not just a D&D guy. You are really an organized play guy for the ages. Um, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing, you've been involved for a long time and you're working with a bunch of different organized play. Like you said, Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, Shadowrun. 
which is great. It's awesome. You're you're helping to spread the word of tabletop role playing games, introduce new players, get new people to run games. I love that kind of work, and I'm so glad you're doing it. And as a designer, I love all of the adventures and stuff that you write. It's really really exciting for me to have you here on the podcast. So welcome. I'm happy to happy to be here. I'm a big fan of your show. Well, thank you very much. So let's get started talking about um, something that involves Cold Iron Conventions and the Adventurers League, the Con Created Content Program. We've touched on it a little bit uh, as far as news and stuff around here goes, but this is the first time we're diving deep into it. Um, so talk about this announcement from the Adventurers League. What is it and what does it mean? Uh, I encourage everyone to go read the actual document that we posted on the Wizard site uh, just to get the specific details, but totally. in general, and we'll, uh, we'll link it up over at the tomeshow.com in the show notes for this episode. Ah, great. Excellent. Um, so in general, the idea is uh, there's always people who want to do their own thing. There's always, uh, people who want more to play. Uh, and so one of the ideas that we wanted to you, uh, implement, and we obviously now have is to have an avenue by which, conventions can create their own content and that they would have a chance to use it at their conventions for a while. But since we're going to make it a illegal after a while, it goes up on the DMs guild. And now that we have this way that we can distribute adventures easily, uh, you'll have that chance. So the way that it basically works is if you have a convention and so we're looking at a convention anywhere from you could be Gen Con or Dragon Con, or you could be, enough that you run at least 15 tables of Adventures League and that your convention spans multiple days. So we're not looking for a store with a game day. We're not looking for you in your, your basement. We're looking for somebody that's running an, a convention that's big enough to accommodate potential resources. Is sure. really And open to the public, right? And open to the public. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so you submit a request to uh, myself or Bill Benham, the two resource managers, uh, we have a link in the document that takes you to a, a little form that you fill out that gives us some details. And then what we're going to do is take a look at your convention, make sure we can verify that it's a real convention, uh, and check to make sure that it isn't either someone who's submitted you know, more than we think they can handle, or that you haven't asked for uh, stuff in the same city as another convention that we've already approved on the same date or something like that. We want to give at least conventions a little bit of a chance. If you're going to invest your time and resources, we don't want to have a someone who comes, you know, a couple months after you and basically tries to do the same thing. Uh, not that we wouldn't let the other convention do it for another year or something like that, but just those are some of the things that we're looking at. At that point, we ask you, can you submit then uh, an outline of the adventure or adventures you're trying to write. And we want to know in that outline, and we these are done exactly the same way as the regular uh, Adventures League concepts and outlines. So if you eventually do want to write for the Adventures League, it's also a good way to get started because we put you through the same process. So you send us this outline. Uh, we need nine months before your convention lead time. And we're going to look at the outline and we're going to say, okay, well, first off, you can't use this monster because it's made up, or you can't give them out the, the rod of Orca, Orcus, or you can't, uh, <laughs> you know. Or, this is a really good idea. We love it. Unfortunately, someone right before you submitted virtually the identical thing. You know, we don't want people to, hey, we're going to play in this town that we know in two months is going to be burned down. 
so we'll work with you to try and make some adjustments. Uh, if those adjustments are not possible, it's possible you could be rejected. That doesn't prevent you from a trying again. It just might mean that, you know, for one reason or another, you've based, maybe you've based your entire adventure around an NPC that we know that'll be dead by the time you come around. And it, for one reason or another, doesn't work for another NPC or something. Assuming that works, then you're going to write. And you as a convention organizer don't have to do the writing yourself. You can hire uh, an, uh, writers of your own. So, for example, uh, I'm working a lot with Cold Iron and with Baldman Games. And in both cases, the organizer has hired artists, hired uh, authors, hired people to do the editing. And they're basically producing an adventure like you would any other. Uh, then you're going to turn that adventure into us. Uh, I'm tr- you, three months before your show is, our, is your deadline. Uh, please note, we have a lot of people going through this process. So if you'll miss your deadlines, I mean, I'm not saying we're going to be total, extremely difficult about it. Like if you're a couple hours late or something, but <laughs> if you miss your deadlines, don't expect to come back a month later after the deadline and say, oh, I finished it now. Uh, it's not happening. We've got a lot of other people that we we have to keep on their schedule as well. So, uh, so three months before your show, it comes to us. The AL team is going to read over your draft. We're not going to edit it. We're not going to change it. We're just going to look to make sure that you did what you said you were going to do in your outline and to make sure that you didn't put some detail that is plot-related that we know is wrong. For example, you, again, have that NPC you know, some random NPC show up that we know is going to be dead by the time your adventure premieres. Uh, we're also going to check your rewards, uh, XP, gold, items, that sort of stuff. Once, if that's all good, we'll send it on to Watsi. If there's a problem, we'll kick it back to you, tell you what the problem is, and let you make adjustments accordingly. Uh, once it goes to Watsi, it'll go uh, first to Chris Lindsay, who's uh, the boss for us over at Organized Play. Mm-hmm. And they're, he's going to read it and might pull in some other people. They're going to read it. They're, again, not editing it, not changing it, not even making suggestions like you could improve it this way or that way. We're just looking to make sure that you haven't done anything that you're not allowed to do, like burn down the entire moon sea or something. <laughs> uh, if everything's good, we put an AL logo on it. We uh, PDF it for you. I think the plan is PDF it for you. Make it all pretty. And We're not adding any extra art, just setting it up in the final template and giving it to you. Now you have it for six months to do anything that you want. You can do anything, run it at your cons, swap it with cons. I know a number of conventions, cold iron among them who've already started making some deals with people we know are writing and we're going to premiere each other's stuff, right? We're going to, our conventions are going to get, I've talked to a bunch of them in the Northeast and Southeast. They're going to get some of our adventures. We're going to get some of theirs. And then when our conventions happen, after six months, those adventures that are AL approved have to go up on the DMs Guild. That's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. It's going to go up for the same uh, price as uh, any of our other adventures. It's going to have the AL logo, but it's going to also have a designation that this is a, a con-created content adventure. Uh, at that point, all of the profits that are made, the author's profits, the 50%, kick back to the author. Uh, if you want to make some sort of deal as a as a con creator that you're paying your offer up author up front and you're taking the royalties or that that's all on you to work out your actual details. But whoever you put down as the person that's getting those royalties, they're the person getting those royalties. And uh, that's pretty much the way it is. Then it stays up on the DMS guild. 
and people can play it wherever they want. That's pretty awesome that people are able to uh, submit. It sounds like all of this is going to mean also more opportunities for designers and people who are looking to write, be they emerging, be they people who are old hat and have done it before. Sounds like the AL is going to have a lot more um, official Adventurers League adventures uh, that people are going to be able to buy, people are going to have to write, and it sounds like it sort of grows opportunities for everybody. Um, and all of these right now take place in the Forgotten Realms, right? Yeah, I guess I should mention that. Uh, one of the deals about these adventures is all of the con-created content has to be in the Moon Sea region. Uh, that limits it a little bit. You're, you're stuck with those particular cities. But it also helps us uh, keep track of the plots. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if this particular city burns down or something, it makes it easy to remember that people can't go there. Or if they do, their adventures have to be about rebuilding it or something. Uh, as a side note, I don't know if this this might actually be new, but it's probably not announced yet. Uh, the admin created, uh, or let's say curated, not created, adventures might not always be in the moon scene now. Mm. Uh, now that we've joined the D&D team, we've got a little bit more flexibility. So, for example, the concreated ones, you have to use monsters from public uh, printed product. You have to use uh, items that are in the DMG or in a, an adventure. That doesn't necessarily hold true for the ones we're going to do. So if you want to see something new, those are probably going to be the ones for the adventures that people used to call expeditions or epics. Uh, the ones... It doesn't prevent people who are writing for a convention from doing something cool, but R&D doesn't have time to – we're thinking the volume of these adventures might be quite large. They wouldn't have time to check every stat block and make sure that the new creature is acceptable. And also, we don't want to do things like say, oh, you converted this monster, but sorry, there's a book we haven't told you about that comes out in a month, <laughs> and that monster's in it, so you've you're got to redo it. And right. you know, I mean, that we don't want to put that sort of problem on anyone. Sure, sure, of course. That's actually really exciting. And I mean, I think most people know the Forgotten Realms are enormous. And it would be really hard to keep track of everything that's going on in there, particularly with upcoming storylines that people don't know about yet. And so I think confining things to the Moonsea region, which is a pretty big, rich, wonderful, well-defined region itself, is a great way to not only have an exciting story where, hey, I I went to this con and we played this adventure and then that adventure ended up relating to this adventure at another con that I played at six months later. You know, you, you've got a whole thing going on there where all of those adventures are affecting each other. You guys are telling this great story in this small region of Forgotten Realms and small should be in quotes because it's, you know, a, a yeah. very big region. Um, there's a whole sea in it. So, uh, you know, but it's, it's a really, really cool idea and it, it, in my mind, it helps create a community around this region. I feel like people are going to get to know the Moon Sea so well, and that's really great. And then it allows you as admins to expand. You know, we've seen a lot of adventures over the last two years come out of the admin team 
all of them have been really great. So I'm really excited to see now that, you know, you guys are able to go off more on your own and spread your wings a little bit more. I'm really excited to see what's going to come out of that. In that case, uh, you know, the adventures that you are writing as admins, uh, are you looking forward to, you know, uh, breaking the mold a little bit, getting out there, doing something different, uh, writing in new regions of Forgotten Realms. And, uh, you know, uh, do you have big plans right now? Are the, are the possibilities endless for you? Well, I, I would note, as, as a lot of people know, while the possibilities are quote-unquote endless, uh, <laughs> we're, we're already thinking about season seven. Of course. So five's not out, six's not out. We, we've already got some information on seven, and we've, we're starting to think about that a little bit. Uh, we just lined up authors for season five. We're going to be starting work on, on, on six very soon for its actual plot. And we're just sort of uh, spitballing ideas on seven now. So uh, yes, ideas are endless. We're really excited about being able to do some different things and, and potentially move some of our adventures outside of the moon sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we've already full, full fledged jumped into that. Nice. And so does that mean that you've already got a lot of adventures and content written for seasons five and six? I think season five only has one or two done. Mm-hmm. Most of them are in the either writing or revision stage. So we've we've got uh, authors for every adventure in season five. I don't know, do based on deadlines, if all of them have started writing. People at the end might not have uh, begun their writing yet, but they definitely have their outlines already set. They've got their uh, everything approved for their concept. Oh, nice. Well, that's really, really great. And it's also awesome. You know, it's very tantalizing to hear like, oh, we're, we're working ahead, you know. Um, so it, it just makes you feel good. Like, yeah, they really know what they're doing. They're laying a path for uh, for what's next to come. Talk a little bit about the admins becoming an official part of the D&D team. At Winter Fantasy, we had uh, our meetings with uh, Watsi staff, and one of the things that was decided was to sort of bring the admins a little bit closer into the fold. Uh, it really didn't change things a whole lot other than to decide to have a little bit more direct contact and to get us more information sooner. Mm-hmm. So it was decided that we should probably, once there's, for example, for a season, once there's a story Bible, uh, let us know about it as opposed to letting us know at a, a much uh, shorter time from when we'd actually have to put stuff out. <laughs> so I guess now that we're, we're official members, but I, in practice, it doesn't change things drastically. It's just sort of a, you've proven yourself enough that we feel we can give you lots of information that's pretty proprietary. Don't tell anyone, basically. Sure, sure. You've got better access to the resources you need, you know, which yeah. is a great thing. And it means better adventures for everybody. So that's if... A- <laughs> You know, I'm a I'm a guy who's interested in design, and we've got a lot of listeners out there who I think are interested in dipping a toe in, in game design or maybe writing one of these adventures for the Adventurers League, either through the con-created content program or, uh, you know, maybe uh, finding somebody like Cold Iron Conventions or Baldman Games. Um, do these places, are they accepting submissions for, you know, emerging and new designers? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'll say that the conventions that are decided that are already approved and those that are, are likely to be approved, it's sort of up to them to decide how they acquire their authors. Uh, we're not going to tell them you have to have so-and-so right or something of that nature. Uh, if they have 
questions. We're happy to provide some suggestions, but we're not really pointing specific authors that way. Uh, it's still a great opportunity because I know a lot of conventions are going to need a lot of authors and it's a great way to get started. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the AL team goes, done two open calls as well as hunted down a lot of people that we knew were pretty solid authors. Uh, and that's given us a pretty good backlog of authors. However, we're always on the lookout for more. And rather than do a open call for season five, one of the things that we've done is we've been watching things on the DMs Guild. Uh, what Not only what sells well, but just looking at products. One of the best things you might be able to do if you want to get our attention is to point your product out to us. You know, send us a complimentary copy or send us, you know, at least a link saying, hey, I wrote this thing, check it out. I'm interested in writing for the DMs Guild uh, uh, Adventures League Adventures. Uh, that sort of thing definitely is the way I think we're going towards to get new authors. You know, there's a there's a big library of stuff. A lot of people who burst onto the scene, you know, with um, some great sales and great reviews, great adventures, stuff like that. So if people do want to send you a complimentary copy, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Should they send it to you and to Bill? Should they, uh, you know, is there another way that they can get in touch with you guys to send them this stuff? Um, you can send it. Sending it to any of the admins is probably going to work. Hunting up fresh authors is Bill and and, and my jobs. Uh, But if you, for some reason, have a reason you want to send it to someone else, uh, feel free. I mean, send it to Robert or Travis or Claire or Alan. I'm sure they'll take a look at it and point it out to us. Nice, Uh, nice. And how would they they go about sending it to you? uh, You can send it to... uh, you have one or two choices. You can send it to resource at dndadventuresleague.org. That's the general uh, resource manager email. Uh, it gets a lot of spam, however. So if you're worried about getting lost amongst that, you might also consider sending it directly to Bill or myself. You can get our emails off the dndadventuresleague.org website uh, or other contact information is there as well. Well, that's awesome. And it's awesome that there's all these opportunities, you know, people should definitely look at like the Baldman Games website. We'll link everything over in the tomeshow.com. So if you are interested in writing, you can find out the various ways to submit. Uh, Dungeon Masters Guild is a great place to go get some of your products noticed. People are really having a lot of success there. So I would recommend uh, people go and check that out. Uh, you know, speaking of the Dungeon Masters Guild, Greg, um, I would love to talk to you about some news that sort of broke on EN World earlier this week. There was some news that Season 5 designers are going to be paid uh, via their royalties, uh, and that's that's the... That's their compensation, is how well does your adventure sell on the DMs Guild? Uh, This isn't really a surprise. This was announced when the DMs Guild was launched, but it definitely has brought up some discussion like, oh, it's it's happening now. It's actually coming down the pike. Seemed like some people were actually caught off guard about it. And, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly varying opinions out there. I know you're an admin, uh, so I think that, that we should certainly address that. But as an admin, you write a ton of these adventures. Are you happier being paid through royalties than you are, say, through word count? Um, I think, to me, it's pretty close to the same one way or the other. I definitely understand some posters' concerns about getting paid up front. Uh, I mean, I, I get that idea. 
I think that as long as you are not needing immediate money, you are going to make more net uh, money if you go the royalties route. Um, maybe we should, should we tell your listeners the details of this? Yeah, yeah, go right ahead. For season one through three, originally the way it worked was that the Adventurers League would pay you $250 for every two hours of content. And we released uh, two-hour, four-hour, eight-hour adventures. So you were making two five or uh, two fifty to five hundred or a thousand. Gotcha, and that rounded out to about what uh, five cents a word, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, just about exactly five cents a word. Gotcha. Before season four started, when we knew uh, sort of on the inside that the DMs Guild was going to be a thing, our original plan was to jump right in and say, "All right, well, we're going to just pay through the DMs Guild." And I think this might be where some of the confusion came up. Because the DMs Guild was not well uh, set up for that before when we were contracting authors. And we were a little unsure how to tell authors, hey, we're going to pay you some way that we can't tell you about. (laughs) So then we had a thought, well, maybe we'll pay the first half of them up front and then the second half of them will get royalties. And that just seemed weird. So we're like, fine, we're just paying everyone for season four. And we'll start it fresh in season five. And we made that announcement when we premiered uh, the DMs Guild. Around that time, Watsi also said, and when you were paid up front, Watsi now own for season one through four, they own everything about that document. That it's all theirs now. And they were going to post it all on DMs Guild. But the thought was, well, you know, other people are going to be getting royalties and it just seems weird to post these and not let these guys get royalties. And, Truthfully, we don't really need that much of the money. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket compared to other things, you know, compared to magic or something. So why not reward the people that helped us get where we are? You know, our our goal has always been to to find a way to help reward the people that are growing our community like these great authors. And so, you know, let's give them the royalties too. So we posted them all up on the DMs Guild, giving them the royalties. And that, I think, created a thought that everyone was going to get paid full upfront and get royalties, even right. though that wasn't our announcement. And so there may have been a little confusion. Uh, uh, maybe we didn't explain it clearly enough or something, but that, yeah, that, so that's the way it's working. So from now on for season five, what happens is it goes up and you get royalties, but please note that there's always been the expectation that Watsi might see something that you've done and want to put it in a book. It might be take a monster you created. It might be take a NPC or, you know, maybe maybe your adventure is that good that it's a great lead in for a hardcover or something. Well, for the first four seasons, well, they own those adventures. They could just take them if they wanted. Uh, the the thought was that now they might, and truthfully, they're probably not going to. They're probably going to still pay you. But now you, now that you're getting these royalties, you know, maybe they'll pay you as well for that. So. I don't want to go too into the weeds with exactly how that works monetarily, but the idea is we believe this will get the authors more money. And so far, that appears to be the case. So looking at, at myself, uh, I have six Adventures League adventures that are currently up on the DMs Guild. Uh, so not including any of my other stuff. Of those, oh, and please, please note the first four of them, uh, actually, no, all six of them, were given away free. I mean, they were given to stores and conventions or posted, for that matter, free. Right. So, assumingly, a lot of people have. Three of the six have already made more 
<laughs> than I would have been than I was paid. Of the three remaining, two of them have been up less than a month. So that doesn't really I, I don't know that that's really a good comparison for this. <laughs> I mean, they're they're still gaining. Sure. Uh the the last one hasn't quite made it, but it's it's getting close. And these are all things that, you know, some people have already experienced in some way or another, as opposed to, you know, all the season five stuff, it, people are going to have to get, for the most part, um, you know, through the DMs Guild if they want to own that PDF Correct. and they're not a, Correct. you know, a store owner or that kind of thing. Yeah. I've seen a lot of numbers thrown about where people are expecting you're going to get, you know, X amount every month. And I, and I, I think that we should also kind of dispel that myth. The first two or three months, you get a, a huge amount. You, you sell a lot of copies with the AL logo on, on your adventure. After that, you sell a few copies, you know, I, you know, two, three, four a week or something, and it, it kind of drops off. Uh, so don't expect that you're going to write one or two adventures and somehow that's going to give you <laughs> an income for the rest of your life. Uh, a lot of people have pointed out, you know, the way to do that is to release a lot of new stuff all the time. But from our standpoint, you know, hopefully you'll write a really good adventure a ton of people are going to buy it because we have huge play numbers that gets a lot of people to see your adventure and then hopefully gets you more work or gets you noticed some in some way. Sure. And they can click on, you know, if you've got other products, maybe on the DMs guild, they Absolutely. click on your name. They see, Oh, this guy also made this book of monsters. I'll pick that up. That kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's all very good. And it does seem like that AL brand uh, is, is valuable. You know, when you look at the AL adventures, those seem to be among some of the better selling things, even though people have had access to them for months in some cases. So, you know, it's, it's really, really cool to see you guys making those available for people. And I think one other thing I'd like to dispel, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think it helps to make it clear. Uh, if you are a store, um, you still get access to these adventures for free, right? I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't want to say that you will mm -hmm. when I know things are a little fluid. The current plan is yes, gotcha. but the final decision is sort of above my pay grade. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And currently, yes, that's currently, the plan right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't even, you know, I've seen a lot of people sort of, of gripe like, well, now the stores are going to have to pay and that kind of thing. So uh, that is currently not the plan is that stores will have to pay, um, you know, and obviously yeah. we'll, we'll put that with an asterisk that things can change. So people and we're one of the things as we send these adventures to stores that we, we are stressing is please note that one of the reasons we can do this and give them to you for free is because you're not distributing them. Uh, if we find people are distributing them, then we know our authors aren't getting paid what they're supposed to be paid, and we're going to have to reconsider giving them out. Yeah. So when we send you uh, certificates or you know special promos like that, uh, stores need to be careful that you know their employees and their organizers. I mean, I know they're like many of their organizers might just be you know that guy comes in the store a lot, so he seems like he's got his finger on it. So remember, you probably don't want to give them your you know your passwords or anything. Of course. And trust this guy. He's been doing it a long time. He knows what he's doing. He's learned. So, uh, you know, trust the admins. They uh, they really do know what they're doing and they really do have the interest of players and DMs and stores and stuff at heart. And authors. Yeah. I want, yeah. To, I want to actually circle back to the author thing for one more note. Let's do it. Uh, people have – There's there's been uh, a lot of people posting particularly in that EN World forum about how, you know, well, things could go bad later. 
-hmm. Please note that uh, the current payment model isn't 100% set in stone. We're doing this because we think it pays the authors more. If it doesn't pay them more, it doesn't mean we won't reconsider and go back the other way. Yeah, that was going to be my question is if all of a sudden the Adventurers League isn't as popular, uh, you know, Pathfinder 2 comes out and lays sure. waste to all of Dungeons <laughs> & Dragons. Uh, is is that a, a possibility that this payment model could change again? So, Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. And I think one thing people should remember, too, is that the fact that they're people on the inside, the admins – our authors themselves is also a good thing. It means that you're always going to have the interest of the authors top of mind, not just because you're good people who like to think about others, but also because your own interest is invested in that as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we actually talk a little bit while we're talking about the uh, Adventurers League, you wanted to talk a little bit about gender balancing some things in the Adventurers League. Uh, yeah. So this came up, uh, on some Facebook thread- threads lately, uh, Paige Lightman, who's a sometimes member of your roundtable, yes. uh, originally brought it up, I think, on a, a couple of different Facebook groups. Uh, and interestingly enough, it was a conversation that the admins were also uh, continuing to have. Um, and I, as a resource manager, became a little bit, uh, I'm going to say frustrated, because we want there to be more gender balance in our authors. I mean, we know we have a lot of female fans and we know there's a lot of great female authors out there, but for some reason, the female authors don't seem to submit uh, complimentary copies or requests or just don't seem to be on our radar as much, despite the fact that both Bill and I have been uh, polling a lot of uh, different authors and of the people that accept, it's been more male authors. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but uh, I mean, truthfully, when we look at an author and we look at a submission, we take the name off of it anyway, and we're just looking at the work uh, for trying to decide if if you're someone who's going to be a good fit. But it's just odd to me in a way that we haven't been able to find more female authors just by trying. So I kind of want to put an appeal out saying, Hey, if you want to write a D&D uh, Adventurers League adventure, don't think that you have to have male genitalia to do it. <laughs> uh, please. Uh, and I'm not sure why it is. I was wondering, actually, this morning, if it's uh, – uh, they tell authors write with what you know. So do male authors write more male NPCs and so female uh, gamers don't think they can become authors? I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist, but, and I think we've done a little better uh, with getting some gender balance. I mean, we have more female authors in season five than we did in any of the others, but it's a thing that continues to be on our radar. And people often, we hear this on a lot of social media posts, you know, why don't you have more female authors? Mostly because we haven't found them or because they've turned us down. Like, so for example, for season five, uh, there's 14 adventures. I know we sent out inquiries to a, a probably about 10 different female authors and a good number of them were unavailable for one reason or another. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I do think that if you are out there and you are a female listener to the program, uh, go ahead and submit your stuff. If you've got it, you know, I, these guys would love to hear from you is what I'm hearing. So, Oh yeah. Particularly if you're, uh, have something on the DM scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's real easy to just point us toward it so that, you know, it gets on our radar. 
There you go. There you go. So it's a great opportunity out there. And, you know, I actually on my blog, uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to say I am looking for more female panelists because I often get people asking, why don't you have more female panelists on the show? Uh, So I am if you are a female listener out there and you're interested in being on the show, drop me a line on Twitter or something and uh, and we'll make it happen. So uh, because we would like to see you better represented, I'm seeing more and more women show up to games, which is a great thing. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it'd be great for them to have a voice in design and in the media and that kind of thing. So we and, want uh, you. There's a fair number of uh, – so uh, going back to Cold Iron Conventions, uh, we're in the Wisconsin-Chicago area. You know, we're near Lake Geneva. Gaming kind of started here. And in some ways, I wonder if that's why. But our conventions tend to have often a higher percentage of female players and have for so many years that in some ways I take it for granted until I travel. You know, it's not always 50-50. But it, it seems to me, though, that I know there's great female authors out there because uh, there's so many great female players. So I we just haven't found you or our schedules haven't meshed as well or something. So if you exist, let us know who you are because we would definitely like to hear from you. <laughs> exactly. Take it from the two white dudes who definitely yeah. know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I think that's great. And I think it's it's really, really cool that you are looking for, uh, you know, expanding your horizons and, and uh, you know, that the, the ALs behind that it seems like Wizards, particularly with this edition, but I know throughout other editions too, keeps pushing that agenda of, you know, they, they want to be more inclusive. Uh, and I think that that's a great thing. And I think it gets us new, different, and interesting adventures, too, when people with different life perspectives write them, right? You know, that's a thing. I mean, I, as you said, as a white guy, <laughs> I I can write an NPC, but if you want to write an NPC from a different sort of background, I can try to imagine it, but I haven't lived it, right? Mm-hmm. So the ability to have a diverse group of authors is a great way to, you know, have some really diverse stories, which I'm sure people want to play. They want to play different kinds of things. So help us out. Yeah, please do. Please do. So so if you're out there, go ahead, send them your stuff. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about how things are going in Season 4 right now of the Adventurers League. Uh, season 4 is a little different, right? Um, the Adventurers League adventures are all sort of one linear story arc uh, that follow, you know, one right into the next, which I think is really cool. And we're in Barovia. Uh, which is a, a little bit of a different thing, obviously, for D&D storylines in general. So how is everything working out uh, with Season 4 so far? Uh, it's overall pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, you still get a few people who don't like the idea that you're trapped there, and, and some people love it. So you're, you're never going to be able to be everything for everyone. Uh, <laughs> but fortunately, we do these short seasons. So, hey, if you don't like this kind of idea, no problem. You take a few months, play some old stuff. And we'll have new stuff for you eventually. I really do like a more in-depth story, a more continuing story. Uh, I think we're still uh, finding our feet in some ways with that. With uh, our really rapid release schedule makes it hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll note that our fans help us with it. We get a lot of feedback from premier conventions. And you'll note that the version that is released on DMs Guild is not the version that the premier cons had. So we'll often get like, hey, this NPC, uh, you know, seems a lot like this other NPC. Why didn't you use it to help tie the story story together? Or why, 
why is this? I thought this, you know, place burned down or whatever. Uh, so little things like that are often caught. And if you catch feedback like that, we're more than open to having you tell us. For season four and onward, it is easier for us to fix errors. Season one through three, the layout was done in a, a very expensive program at Watsi, and they're all in file formats that we don't have. So we're trying to allocate some budget to go back to the old adventures and fix the errors that we know are there. Uh, but so far that hasn't quite happened, even though it's, it's on our, uh, our to do and is likely to occur eventually. Uh, as for season four, uh, other stuff, the story is, is, is superior. I'm really happy with that. I like the continuity. Uh, I really think that when people have noticed some things that seem a little less Raven lofty because they're from parts of the, that's of the story that's been sucked in from the area around Flan. They're there for a reason. So before you think, hey, how come this is now in Ravenloft when it's never been there before? I bet it has something to do with an upcoming adventure or perhaps an upcoming season. We've been started seeding things for season five and six into our story. So you'll start to see like, hey, that's weird that this guy would be here. It seems kind of like a throwaway. I'm just going to not mention him when I run this game. I mean, you can do that if if that's how your your folks like to play. But please note, if we throw him in there, I bet it's because he's important later. And we want you to start informing, you know, your players of this and build a relationship with these NPCs. So when this guy needs help later or turns out to be the villain later or, you know, whatever it is that we need him to do, you're going to be like, oh, I remember that guy. He's the guy that helped me in Barovia. Nice. Uh, Nice. I like that a lot. And that that shows good writing. You know, if something in your brain says this isn't out of right, this looks out of place. It's not poor writing. It's actually great writing because that's a clue leading yeah. you somewhere. Please. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we get a lot of people who are like, we're going to alter our adventures and we're happy to let you all, you know, you you have DM carte blanche to make some changes uh, mm-hmm. short of giving out different rewards. If there's an NPC who seems weird or or even like behaves oddly. Well, maybe he's behaving oddly for a reason. Don't a lot of people look at these as one shots and realize that they are part of a greater story, even if it's not the season four Barovia ones where it's very clear they're part of a greater story. And I think you're going to see that some more come Origins and Gen Con when uh, Ballman Games brings you back to Flan, you know, back to Flan, back to Hillsfar. You're going to see the things that you did in those series and how they've changed things and what's going on now and how is that story progressing. Oh, that's really cool. So you really have created a big living world that that people are getting involved in, which I think is a good answer to the question. I see a lot of people saying like, you know, oh, we're we're still in Forgotten Realms, which first of all isn't true because season four takes place in <laughs> yeah. uh, Perovia, but also because, um, you know, that these are stories that you're trying to tell and you don't want to move too fast away from one particular world just for the sake of getting to the next so you can leave it and get to another one after that i mean if you think about it we're on season four Mm -hmm. but really that's only been not even two years (laughs) so yeah sure you have characters that have made it you know to tier three or so uh maybe you have a character that made it to tier tier four if you played the last chapter of all the hardcovers or something uh but you're about to see more tier three and tier four content where we revisit those old stories go back to those old places and see what's going on now that you're a big, powerful hero. How did your early exploits affect the way things happened there? And not only that, uh, we have two new plans in the works. Uh, 
one more driven by the the admins and one we're kind of kind of let uh bald man games do the initial design on to try and let you make even more impact on the story i mean right now when you go at the end of every adventure you'll see there's a qr code you go fill out the survey and we do total those up and you know see oh look 70 percent of them killed this guy rather than captured him oh i guess he can't appear anymore we'll have to he's officially dead you know we do that sort of thing and we're not always good about telling you. And we need to be a little bit better about that, in my opinion. And we're we're working on it. Uh, but we have two new plans to try and make it really obvious and give you a way to change some things yourselves. So I can't tell you what it is yet, but... <laughs> nice, nice. And I will say, like, right, if, if we're only about two years in, if you think about it, that's about how long it would take to compile data and figure out, like, okay, this region is changing, and right now we have people, the adventure's happening over here. So to get them back, you know, to another area to have a full season of adventures, like, we're finally now getting to see how the world is evolving through the actions of the players, through the adventures that have been written and stuff. And I think it's really cool. It's a ton of information to keep track of. Uh, I'm surprised that, uh, you know, like a like a political team, uh, <laughs> you guys haven't gotten burnt out or anything because you do all have lives and jobs beyond being admins uh, yeah. and correcting comments and, and that sort of thing, uh, answering inquiries and, and all that good stuff uh, beyond, you know, helping wrangle the story and write the adventures and get other designers and stuff on track. So what you are doing is a mammoth, mammoth, mammoth task. And uh, I just want you to know, I appreciate it. Everybody who comes on the podcast, who is involved with the Adventurers League, um, you know, they only have good things to say about you and the other admins. So thank you very much for all of that awesome, awesome work that you do. Uh, when we're talking about season five, six, and seven, obviously there's not much you can say story-wise about those, but let's talk a little bit about your own personal excitement level. Uh, when you're thinking about what's coming down the pike in the next three story arcs, um, you know, is it about the same excitement you felt in the past or is it like, man, this is, this is even better. We're, we're doing things that are even crazier than before. Well, so I, I'm going to give you the caveat that my favorite setting is Ravenloft. Okay. Uh, well, so, I mean. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, starting, uh, oh, more than a decade or, yeah, about a decade ago or so when Mike Merles uh, left the Living Greyhawk team to go actually work for Wizards, uh, I started nagging him uh, three or four times a year, you know, hey, we should do some more Ravenloft stuff. And him and, and, and Crawford, who I know Jeremy uh, loves Ravenloft, uh, I would constantly be like, you know, Ravenloft, we should have living Ravenloft. So now that we've done that, sadly, we're only there for one season. Uh, I don't know that anything's ever going to compare. That said, <laughs> uh, I'm excited about role-playing possibilities for season five. There's some really cool role-playing opportunities uh, for season six. There's a thing that I think will make a different set of players very happy, as well as could be really convenient for some conventions that, that run things a certain way. Oh. Uh, another thing that uh, one of the three seasons also pays homage to a really classic mod that I, I really, uh, sorry, adventure that I really, I really like. So that, that's another thing to be excited about. Uh, but one thing I would mention and, and, We've kind of told you this a few ways, but people, again, tend to miss things that get posted <laughs> on social media or whatnot. 
Um, we said when we started season four that you should not expect us to do things always the same way. And so now that we have the con-created content and we can lock that content into you're in the moon sea, you have more defined seasons, you have to use the standard stuff. I mentioned before how we're going to have a little bit more flexibility. And one of the things you're going to see is don't expect our seasons to always be the same length. We were, we were previously doing sort of a five-month and a seven, uh, eighth-month season, and that could change. I mean, we were talking about changing the length. We're also talking about more and or less mods in some of those seasons. The number of adventures might change, and if we did that, it lets us do different things. For example, say in a season, and some of these things are still in the air, if we released less adventures, realizing that there's also the con-created adventures coming out, we could spend a lot more time on those adventures. Uh, maybe those adventures are longer, or maybe those adventures are the same length as they have been, but they have appendices that have a lot of background that you could use in your home campaign. Uh, you know, things like that. So Expect us to experiment with different things. And as always, that's one of our huge advantages of doing things in a season. Like, you know, oh, hey, this thing didn't work. Okay, we're not doing that ever again. Sure. You know, we're just pulling it out. Or this worked great. All right, well, in a future season, we can revisit it and do it again. So uh, the new the DMs Guild and the Con Created Content Programs are awesome to us for this opportunity our chance to do different things is really expanding for these upcoming seasons. That's great. It's awesome to hear you guys are going to experiment and break the mold. It makes me really excited too, to hear like, Oh yeah, maybe we'll do, you know, a more in-depth dive into an adventure. You know, we'll spend more time with it and, you know, we'll either give you more detail or we'll make it longer or, you know, we're, we're going to put more resources into it, more time, whatever to, to give people maybe a richer experience. Sounds really cool. So, uh, you know, the opposite you could envision us do uh some of the adventures we normally thought of as two hours and put that amount out and then have a couple of i counter encounter ideas with some xp budget that you let the dm design Ooh. you know that's another possibility too not saying we're for sure going to do that but you know we're we're looking at a lot of possible things that we haven't done before well, the sky is the limit, and I'm excited to see what comes out. I want to remind our listeners that if you do see a list of adventures and it's shorter or longer or has more two-hour adventures than normal or whatever, just make sure that these guys are experimenting. Or again, they have your best interest in heart. It doesn't mean that the industry is dying and everything's going oh, yeah. to. And tell us whether you like it or not after you do it. People mm. are prone to go, oh, that's not going to work, and then they don't try it. <laughs> no, actually test it out see if it worked or not and let us know i mean we've definitely tweaked things based on player feedback i mean dm quests are a really good example of that mm -hmm. hey dms want something to do especially uh you know for you know running a particular adventure more than once or dms want etc so hey the dms quest was our first attempt at seeing how we could incentivize DMing. And uh, and you're going to keep evolving things, right? Like, I, I know you guys are great at handling feedback. Uh, you can see these guys participating in any forum, any Facebook group, on Twitter, all over the place, talking to people. So, um, you know, again, just doing doing the greatest work any admin can do. So thankless. So, uh, so let me be one to thank you for everything that you've done, Greg. What have you got to plug? I've recently done 
done a lot of different work for Cobalt Press. That's one thing I'll note. Like you'll see some of my contributions to uh, Tome of Beast, Book of Layers, uh, Deep Magic, which uh, recently got mentioned by uh, Wolf Game publicly. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I, yeah, I just also finished uh, the 5e conversion of. Uh, so you may Cat and Mouse came out a while ago. It was a Pathfinder adventure. Cobalt did. I converted that. I just finished part two of that Grimalkin. Uh, I did that conversion, just turned that one over a few days ago. Uh, I've also have an adventure premiering at origins an adventure premiering at Gen Con and adventure premiering at cold iron convention. So I've got three adventures <laughs> for the summer, uh, which all need to be finished in the near future. Uh, perhaps the thing I want to plug the most though, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully it'll be on DMs guild by the time this goes live. If not, it'll be up within a day or two. Uh, I'm working on a DMs Guild project uh, updating in, well, provide new content, really, for the Aurora Whole Realms catalog. Great first edition product. First and second edition. Second edition mostly. You know, everybody likes to go shopping, right? And in 5e, you have a lot of extra gold. There's yeah. not really a great outlet to do with it. And so one of the things you could do is buy gear. Mm -hmm. uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Anne Brown, her character was the original Aurora at TSR back in the day. And so she came up with the idea for this catalog because she brought in an old, uh, 19, I think it was a 1902 Sears catalog <laughs> one day to into the office and said, you know, we should do something like this. Uh, so she's writing a foreword to this product. And uh, I've hired another friend of mine, uh, Ben Seekert, who's doing some of the original art. Uh, ben and another uh, artist, Joe Aberino, are actually doing all the art for the Cold Iron Conventions releases. Uh, and so what you're going to get in this product is a bunch of new non-magical gear uh, that you can spend your gold on. Some of them have uh, fairly interesting, hopefully unique, story-driven kind of stuff that'll make you want to have them for some of their mechanics. Uh, and in addition to every one of them, I call it Volume 1 because my plan is that every one of them will have four sections. The first section will be something about how the catalog works. They like it's, it's told from the uh, standpoint, if you've played some of the adventures league stuff, you'll know that the current, at least in the adventures league, the current catalog is run by Aurora's granddaughter, uh, Lelinor. And how does the, how does the whole process work nowadays? How do you buy stuff from the catalog? Where can you go? That kind of stuff. Then I'm going to have two chapters. Each one is a different kind of gear. Uh, the first one has, I think it's the artist stage and the, the warrior's rack. So it's a bunch of uh, stuff that you would use in acting, but that adventurers will probably use for more deception and guile. Uh, and the second one is uh, new weapons. And then the final section in every one of them is a uh, something that the players can use. So the first one has background uh, catalog agent. So you're, you're an Indiana Jones type seeking out new markets, new things to buy while imply, uh, using all this various gear and or, you know, making contacts, uh, you know, making friends all around the world in sort of, you know, the classic adventurer in a way. Uh, future one might be a series of uh, feats related to gear. So you might remember the old uh, skill tricks and gear tricks that used to be in like 3.5. Uh, so, so that sort of thing. I'm really excited about this product because it's got a lot of original art 
and because it's got uh, a forward by one of the original TSR uh, employees, Ann Brown, who whose character was the the first Aurora. Yeah, and it's got a great way for me to get my players to start spending some gold too, which yes. is awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, and and I do think that uh, of all the fifth edition, you know, uh, delights that there are, that is one thing that is like every time my players get gold now, they're they're about seventeenth level. They're like, well, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> exactly. Not worth the wait. We'll leave it. Uh, so this is actually really really awesome. Uh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, so and please let me know when it's out and. We'll make oh sure yeah, I'll send you a copy. When yeah, it comes yeah, out. we'll we'll blast our listeners too. Make sure that that they know uh, to to go pick it up. It sounds like an awesome, awesome product. It's a great team working on it, and somebody from the TSR days writing a forward. Come on, that's great. Yeah. You Fingers know, crossed. The, people like it. She is the Aurora. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's really awesome, uh, and I'm super, super excited, Greg, that uh, that you are getting into that. And uh, what are the adventures? You mentioned you have three coming out uh, this summer. What uh, names are those, just so people can look for them if they're headed to those conventions? Sure. Uh, so at Gen Con, I'm writing uh, it's Flan 1-1 uh, Sepulcher. Nice. Uh, so that's the first uh, – it's a – T3 adventure, so tier three, and it's the first of Ballman Games' new Flan trilogy. Uh, at Origins, I'm writing uh, it's DDAL 4 14, The Dark Lord. It is the final confrontation with the secret main villain of the AL storyline. That's awesome. So you'll, uh, you'll note I often tend to write the last one of a year, <laughs> and the reason is often because. That way I'm privy to all the critical events during the writing process. It it lets us really bring in a lot of what the players are doing. So it's part of why we're doing that. For the Milwaukee Summer Revel, which is a convention in uh, July 1st to the 3rd, obviously in Milwaukee. uh, That's where we're going to premiere the first of the Cold Iron Conventions, the CIC Adventures. I'm writing uh, Vault of the Devourer, sort of a, a dungeon crawl. Nice, nice. I like that. Those are all uh, great names that inspire uh, quite a bit of uh, of attention. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to play those adventures, and people can definitely check those out at conventions or when they become available uh, on the DMs Guild, which is also really great. So, you know, uh, and where can people, Greg, if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you on the internet? You can, of course, find me on Facebook at Greg Marks, but if you do that, you're also going to get random pictures of my cats and the uh, other, you know, family stuff probably. But uh, you can also get me at Twitter, which is my Twitter is Scarrett the Green, but it's spelled funnily, and I regret that now that I have a Twitter that people actually <laughs> find. Uh, S-K-E-R-R-I-T-7-H-3. G-R-E-E-N. Uh, you'll link it in the show notes, I'm sure. Yes, I will absolutely <laughs> link that and everything else we've talked about. Uh, Greg, thanks for coming on and, and talking about the news. It's great to get the opinions of an industry insider, uh, especially somebody who has as much experience uh, designing and being a part of the organized play community like yourself for so long. And thanks for filling us in about the uh, con content creation program. I think that's really exciting and is going to expand a lot of opportunities for emerging designers out there. So thanks for that. Thanks for having me.
And before we go, there's a quick final segment we've started doing every week here on the Roundtable. Each week, we highlight a new product in the DMs Guild pick of the episode. This week's highlighted product comes from Enrique Bertrand, the newbie DM. He is a friend of the show and probably known to many of you because he's a great designer. His product is called $3 Monsters, Creatures of the Shadow Fell. $3 Monsters adds a handful of classic D&D monsters to your 5e game for just under a buck each. Each $3 monster supplement provides a themed group of critters for you to use at your table. In this supplement, you'll find 5e versions of the Dark Creeper, Shatterkai, Zvart, and Sorrowsworn Demon. You can find a direct link to $3 Monsters Creatures of the Shadow Fell by Enrique Bertrand, the newbie DM, over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. All right, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there, links to my DM Guild products, and news about where I'm going, what I'm doing, and how we can connect. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the Roundtable.